Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. And thank you again for the privilege of worshiping and praying and reading the Word of God together. This is not so much a Bible study as it's reading Morning Devotions. And sometimes you can see Sister Bev's frustration when she was working through Ezekiel. And she was just laughing and laughing at me last night about, um, so you're going to do Daniel 1 and Daniel 2 in, in, in one in one morning devotion tomorrow, are you? And she just laughed and laughed and laughed because there's so much we could teach. But the purpose of morning devotions is not teaching. It's just reading the scriptures with a few devotional thoughts. So let's get started today. Psalms chapter 91. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me, love, I will deliver him, I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls on me, I will answer him, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. As we go to prayer today, I want us to pray for all of our Connect Group leaders, all of our fellowship executives, all of our moms and dads. All of us have leadership positions in life. Whether we wish to acknowledge those as leadership positions or not is another subject, but we all have them. Last Sunday, I just really bore in on one simple thought. Until we return to the ministry and service that God has called us to, we cannot strengthen. We cannot bring spiritual strength. We can't bring studies of fixing of attention, focusing of life. We can't strengthen the spiritual lives of our children and of the people that are under us in authority, our connect group members, our fellowship members, whatever. So let's pray right now for all of our leaders. Father, Right now, in Jesus' name, we bring to you all of the leaders. Father, there are so many that have worked so hard for so many years. And Lord, they've, used, they've been used by you to build your house, to build your family. Father, they've brought thousands upon tens of thousands of souls to you. But Father, we pray now for the flock that which the Holy Spirit has made us overseers, for our own families, for our own individual connect groups for our own fellowships, for our own choirs, for our own Bay Usher group, for our own youth, for our own children, for our own preteens, for our own college. Father, we lift you all of these leaders. Father, each one of us, you've given responsibility over people. 
and we can only lead out of who we are today. Father, I ask for every leader to make that same decision. It took time for Peter to make it, but he made that decision to return to what you had called him to do and what you had called him to be, to feed the sheep, to tend the lambs, to feed the sheep. He was no longer a fisherman. He was a shepherd. Father, there are many among us that were no longer who you used to be, but you've trained us, you've developed us. But Father, you can't use us if we won't be committed to the work. By your grace, Lord, by your grace, after all of this lockdown, by your grace, let us return to the work that you have given us to do. By your grace, Father, let there be a new zeal within the heart of every leader. By your grace, Father, let there be a new determination in the heart of every leader. Let there be a new love for souls in the heart of every leader. Father, I pray for the grace of God to be upon every single leader in Jesus' name. Let their hearts return to that which you have called them to do. Let their hearts return to that which you have called them to be. And let that anointing flow, just like it did with Peter. Let that anointing flow and let that influence now lead people back to commitment and strengthening themselves. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today begins with a brand new book, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, which we have touched, our hands concerning the word of life. All right, so Jesus is from the beginning. He's from before Genesis 1.1. And Jesus was experienced. He was heard, he was seen, he was looked upon, he was touched, our hands concerning the word of life. That life was made manifest. We have seen it, we testify to it, and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So Jesus manifested. He was born in a human form. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So notice, preaching flows from experience, not head knowledge. Now, now this is one of the hardest things to teach people. You can't just pick up a book and read something and teach it and think that you can communicate. No, notice, so that you can have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. You have to experience something before people can join you in the experience. Let me say that again. You must experience something before others can fellowship with you in that experience. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. All right? So purpose of ministry is joy. This is the message we have heard from him, heard from him, and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. All right, so God is all light. There's no shadow in God. There's no variance in God. Now, you know, in all of our lives, because God is perfecting the good work he began within us, in all of our lives, there is variance. <laughs> there are shadows. Okay, but in God, God is light. He doesn't have light. He is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And again, source of the message. Oh, my wonderful pen. It writes and then it erases. Source of the message. If we say we have fellowship with him, if we say, so here is a claim, okay? If we claim to have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth, all right? So you cannot live in clubs and sin and claim to have fellowship with him. It's a lie. You're not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. I like that. Now, you're not going to get cleansed from sin while you're still trying to live in sin. I, mean, I know there are churches that teach it doesn't matter how you live your life. Come as you are. Well, yeah, we come as we are, but then we are changed. <laughs> okay. And now we're different. And we don't come as we are, and then leave the same way. We come and are 
changed. And then we walk in the light because he's in the light. And it's in that righteousness, it's in that light that we find fellowship with one another. You know, have you ever noticed if you're around a person of sin, there's just an irritation that grows within you? There was a guy one time, and I, every time I got around the guy, there was just something in me that kept rising up and rising up and rising up and just always rising up with him. And I couldn't understand why is every time I around this guy, there's something in me that just rises up against this guy. And then I found out he was forcing sex upon girls. And, and you know, you just go, okay, I understand. You, you can't have fellowship with someone. You can't have closeness with someone when you're living in sin. And you can't have closeness with someone else who's living in sin. We fellowship with one another as we walk in the light. If we say we have no sin, here's another one of those claims. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, okay? There's nobody perfect. Now, you hear me quote this verse a lot. Now, I want you to notice why. He said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now notice, inclusive speech. John is a part. He's not saying if you, he said if we. So the apostle John that had walked with Jesus said, listen, let, let's not go around and claim he said, let's stop claiming perfection. He said, Let, let's, not, let's not keep making these claims of perfection. It's just not real. Okay, It's just not real. I, I remember sitting down with a preacher one time in Hong Kong, and the, it was at a group table, and this preacher was saying, you know, I went through my, my second uh, encounter with God, and it was my encounter of perfection. And he said, now... I am no longer capable of sin. The, the sin nature was completely removed from my life, and I'm no longer capable. I cannot sin. I sat and looked at the guy, and I thought, oh, Jesus, give me a break. And you know what? I've never talked to the guy since. How can you have a relationship with a guy that thinks he's perfect, that every word he says is perfect? You, you, you cannot. We are all a bunch of people that God is perfecting the good work he began in our lives. So John says, Rather than be discouraged about your spiritual life, rather than be discouraged that you still screw up, rather than be discouraged by the fact that you still sin, just don't live in it. Okay, he's, here, here, here's the simple truth. Don't live in it. Just grow. Now, my little children, chapter two, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. All right, so just grow. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, just stop there for a minute so that you may not sin. When I was a boy, believe it or not, I was allergic to strawberries. Can you imagine somebody being allergic to strawberries? I was allergic to strawberries. And when I would eat strawberries, I would get hives all over my body. I mean, just I would break out in this horrible rash and I would itch everywhere and they wanted me to take shots and all kinds of stuff. 
And my grandpa Butler just said, don't eat strawberries. <laughs> so that rung in my heart. Don't eat strawberries. Grandpa Butler was just, he, he, Grandpa Butler was a full blood German. And that was just grandpa's way. Okay. Grandpa Butler just don't eat strawberries. So I didn't eat strawberries. I don't think I ate strawberries again. Oh my goodness. Until maybe I was already pastoring COP from the time I was like five or six years old. And I asked a doctor one time, how come I'm not allergic to strawberries anymore? He said, you grow out of allergies. <laughs> You're going to grow out of sin. He, Jesus, is the propitiation, mercy seat. He is the mercy seat. That's the Greek word that is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint for the mercy seat. He is the mercy seat for our sins, not only ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know we have come to know him. All right, I love these we knows. This is going to be a, a real strong theme in, in the book of, of 1 John. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, notice, um, we're up here earlier. Liar, liar, lie. All right, so notice all these. John's a pretty straight talker. Whoever says, I know him, I know Jesus, but does not keep his commands. You don't live by what he said. He's a liar, and the truth is not in him. So, all right, this is how you, how to deal with claims. Claimed faith. These are people who claim that they have faith in Jesus. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. How can I know that I'm in Christ? Remember the big in Christ truth that we've been talking about? Here is a big in Christ truth. By this, we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which to walk. All right, so you live. Walk means to live, okay? Walk equals live. Live like Jesus. It's just that simple. If you want to know whether somebody's really a Christian or not, look at how they live their life. Now, not one little single event of their life, but look at how they live their life overall. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. There's got to be more than going back and forth. Do it right to do it wrong. Cause we were taught Everybody, making this world in what you Yeah. 
Testament passage today picks up in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of the land, both of the royal family and of nobility, youths without blemish, good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. All right, so here's the purpose. In order to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Now, this was royalty. This is, this is noble families. This is the youth from noble families. Now, the difference between the nobility and the masa in that day was drastic. It's basically a, a two a two strata society: the very rich, the nobles, and then the everybody else. Now, even from the nobility, they said we need youths without blemish. They needed to look good, good appearance, skillful in wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent, competent to stand in the king's palace. In other words, somebody who can teach, somebody who can do something. And they were to be trained to teach. They were to teach the youth of the Babylonian nobility. Now, you have to understand Slaves did everything in the Babylonian Empire. So these, these would have been raised to be the teachers of nobility. And they, they didn't want just anybody doing this. They wanted somebody who understood palaces, who understood how to talk to nobility, who, who understood how the hierarchy of things were handled. And they had to have ability. So they had to understand that class of people And they had to have ability, and they had to have presence. In other words, they looked good. They could stand in front. Now, he said, the king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate. All right, so they ate the same food as the king, and of the wine that he drank. Now, this, the Babylonian wine was very different than what the Jews drank. And they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. All right, so... Three years of these classes. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. So all of these came from Judah. So they came from close to Jerusalem. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abed. Abednego. I always want to say Abednego, but it's Abednego. Now Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. Now, why? Well, it was not kosher. It still had the blood in it. And the wine would have been high percentage alcohol. All right? It was not just naturally fermented stuff. This would have been the mixed wines that they did where they added sugar content and things and made it a high alcohol content. 
Now, Daniel said, I'm not going to do this. I, I'm not going to play this game of getting drunk. You know, the scriptures are very clear. It is not for kings to drink wine. It's not for kings to go get drunk. So, you know, nobility were raised about high content alcohol. The young nobles were raised. This is not something that you should do. So the kosher, the food that still had blood in it and high content of wine, Daniel said, I'm not going to do this. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Now notice, he asked. No attitude. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, you know, it's one thing to say God gave him favor, and God did give him favor. But one of the reasons God could give him favor is that he asked. He did not have an attitude. You see, sometimes God can give you favor and compassion in the sight of people, but your attitude messes it up. Ah, think about that one. And the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are also of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Tell, test your servants for ten days, and let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see fit. All right, so fair test. Daniel was not belligerent. He didn't want to get this guy killed. So he listened to him in this matter. He listened to him. Why? Because of a good attitude and fair test. Now, you see, folks, sometimes people in authority over you won't listen to you because of your attitude. Ah. So this is something that you really need to work on here, okay? Let's make a little note. Why people in authority listen to us. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. They were eating more healthy. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. All right, God's gift. God's gift to those who choose to live holy and not compromise. <laughs> Daniel did not engage the culture. All right, this is, this is the blessing of not engaging with culture. Gave them learning and skill in all literature. Wow. At the end of the time, the king commanded that they should be brought in, and the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in 
all his kingdom. Wow. So they were better than the locals. Now, now, brothers and sisters, you know they had to get people upset. You know that the prejudice and bigotry already began at that point. When these four guys were found to be better than all the locals and they were foreigners, you know, you know some attitudes developed. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that magicians and enchanters and sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, so you've got to come up with the dream and the interpretation, you shall be torn limb to limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. <laughs> they answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show you its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words, all right? So we have a conspiracy. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. He said, listen, you guys have fooled me before. You're not going to fool me again. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or Chaldean. And the, king, the thing the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not in flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and all the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arak, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Now notice how to answer. Now we saw this earlier in chapter 1, and now we see it again. It is so important that we know how to answer. Now, come with me back up here earlier when he's told that he's going to have to eat this non-kosher food with blood in it. He's going to have to drink this high-potent alcohol content wine. He doesn't show an attitude. He, he knows how to talk. He, he knows how to answer people. Now, again, we come down here, and again, he knows how to answer. He replies with prudence, and he applies with discretion. All right, so two keys of how to answer those in authority. The captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon, he declared to Arok, the, captain, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arok made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. 
Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this ministry, mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. All right, so notice, appointment, requested, stops the dying. It stops death. That, that's why he does this first. But now he prays. All right, we, we've stopped the, de- we stopped the danger, but now <laughs> it's going to be worse if we don't make this work. So let's, let's seek God. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. All right, God answers. Daniel blesses God. I always bless the Lord when he answers. And Daniel answered, Bless be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. To whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. All right, now notice. God controls Politics, God controls seasons. Let's call this spiritual seasons. God controls wisdom and God controls knowledge. Now, he only gives wisdom to the wise and he only gives knowledge to those who have understanding. He doesn't give knowledge to just anybody. He reveals deep and hidden things, and he knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells in him. To you, God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me insight and might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arak, whom the king appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arok brought in Daniel before the king in haste, (laughs) because he's under pressure to kill everybody, and said thus to him, I found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. So notice, Daniel is still considered an alien. He's still considered a foreigner. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. All right, so he points him to God. This is important. And has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay on your bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in your bed came thoughts of what would be after all this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You, O king, 
you saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of clay and partly of iron. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image of its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom God of the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, into whose hand he has given. Wherever they dwell, the children of men, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making, making you rule over them, you are the head of gold. All right, so the head of gold is Babylon. Another inferior kingdom to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over the earth. There shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and like iron it crushes and shall break all these. As you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. As in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to other people. It shall break to pieces all these kingdoms and shall bring them to an end and shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has not made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel, commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. And the king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief perfect over all the wise men of Babylon. Now, promotion. To an alien. Because God gave him knowledge. Daniel made a request to the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. This is the closest. But Daniel remained in the king's court. Now, I want you to notice some things here. Because of the giftings that God will place upon your life, God will raise you up. But I want you to notice the wisdom here. The wisdom in how to speak. The wisdom in how to answer, how to face challenges. And I want you to notice he kept pointing everybody to God. He never took credit for himself. But I also want you to notice when he got promoted, he was in the king's court, but he needed somebody at his back because, forgive me, he was an alien. He was a foreigner. And these guys aren't going to like it that he's been made their boss. So he asked for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
He asked for people who were close to him to have the province right there around him. Kaya, he is safe. Now, now this is one of the things you have to learn. When God promotes you and puts you into a position, don't just keep the people that are around you that are already there. Bring in your own people. Let me say that again. If If you're going to survive when God promotes you, you better bring in some of your own people who will have your back. All right, that's our material for today. We'll see you tonight for service at 7 o'clock sharp.